What's up, guys? It's the Blue Bloods coming at y'all with another episode in our SEC in 30 Days theme for the month of June. And we are joined by Ole Miss football insider, beat writer for the Oxford Eagle, Jake Thompson, is on the show today. And I just want to say I appreciate you joining us, man. Hey, Zach. Thanks for having me on. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely, man. So we got to start with last season. And it was a season in which the Rebels finished 5-5. Five and five. But there were a lot of games where they could have probably closed it out and won the game. That fi- a lot of people think that 5-5 five and five record isn't indicative of how this team played at times this year. But for you, thinking about your own personal expectations, did this past season meet, exceed, or fall short of your preseason expectations? I think with how well or how not so well that that defense played and everybody kind of knew it was it was the weak point uh, of that team heading in and Lane Kiffin's first year you didn't get a spring you really didn't get a summer till late August once they finally realized when when they would actually start a season and going five and five in the SEC no non conference kind of cupcake teams to to get you to like eight wins or something like you normally do. Uh, and those, like you said, could have, should have, would have wins against Auburn where they had a chance. Even LSU in that monsoon, they had a chance. So, you know, they were they were probably a, a tackle or a touchdown from having a better bowl than they did even at the Outback Bowl. So, you know, I, I think they overshot expectations, which has probably put a lot of maybe extra expectation onto 2021, knowing it's a normal season, it's a normal year, a normal schedule, and you only got uh, those eight SEC games to kind of worry about. And uh, I think that there's a lot of excitement, but no, it was kind of like watching the Saints. You know, they had the offense to score the points, but you got to, it was that defense. What kind of defense was going to get those stops? And I think it was, it was very similar to that. But, you know, another a normal offseason, a spring that they got to have, and kind of now they'll start soon in a couple of weeks, a normal offseason or summer program in the fall camp in August. I think this program's maybe a year ahead of where they thought they might be, just given all those hurdles that everybody had last year with COVID and, and you know, at least they got to play 10 games. Not Most people, some teams didn't even get that. So I think Kiffin may be kind of playing with house money at the moment. Absolutely. And with COVID, I mean, the first year head coaches had it the worst. You don't even get to, I mean, Lane Kiffin didn't even get to hit the recruiting trail until this month. So, I mean, I can't imagine how hard it was, but the number one thing, you mentioned it in your answer, you have to rebuild this defense. I believe Ole Miss had like the 14th, of ranked scoring offense, but it was like the 118th scoring defense. On the flip side, you cover this team, you know the landscape, you know the recruiting. What are the what would you do to rebuild, retool this Ole Miss defense? I think uh, I think what they did, you know, they 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 got a good recruiting class. You know, a lot uh, like 13 early enrollees who showed up in January and. Ten of them or so were defense, which is, you know, like I said, everybody's defense is key. But they were playing with more unique strategy. If you were recruiting a lot of guys, maybe they didn't see. Maybe those kids never took an official visit in their early years of, of their high school career before twenty twenty spring of 2020 came. And, you know, also they could have come when, when Matt Luke was still the head coach. You know, Lane Kiff, I may not have even been the head coach. And so they were playing with trying to keep guys. Were these the guys we want? Who do we want to go after? And so it was, like you said, every every especially every new coach, had unique uh, uh, kind of difficulties, but, you know, getting that defense in and we saw some improvements, you know, it was kind of a vanilla spring, even though everybody was kind of had all eyes on the defense with, with so many early enrollees coming in out of high school. So, it, you know, it's, you know, a lot of those the spring games, you don't really see a lot of 
bells and whistles and tricks. And it was also just two kind of normal quarters before they did some stuff after the two normal quarters with JV or, or they go down the depth chart to see what they have. But, uh, no, hitting that defense, I think, is what they had to do and what they need to do. Now it's one of those, you know, did they guess right? Did, the, did their scouts kind of guess right? Did you get the right guys? Because that's always the question. You, you get them here, but do they do that three-star, four-star, five-star stuff you expect them to do? Right. And, I mean, one position Lane Kiffin nailed directly on the head is quarterback Matt Corral. I mean, arguably, I think in every single preseason thing I've looked at, he's probably the top-ranked SEC returning quarterback, him and JT Daniels seem to kind of fight over that position. What makes him such a special QB, and what are your expectations for Corral in this offense going into 2021? Uh, you know, just this is kind of maybe not as crazy because I've seen it more as we've kind of getting you know geared into football previews and those think pieces. But I think Corral, if he can not have those Arkansas games where you know he throws seven or you know six or seven interceptions after he has like six or seven touchdowns the week before, if he can eliminate that. I think he can have a maybe not win it because there seems to be you know Heisman can't talk especially a quarterback from Ole Miss is tough to, unless you're Eli Manning it's tough to kind of get into that conversation, but I think Matt Corral has a chance to be very special this season. You know I know J T Daniels kind of that one A or one B to his one A or, or if you want to flip it you know kind of that way, but I think just from seeing what I a little bit I saw J T Daniel last year I think Corral in terms of on the field and development. I think he is ahead of JT Daniel. I think he, I think Corral has a chance to kind of be that crown jewel QB of, of the SEC conference. Absolutely. I mean, listen, he, I mean, he was torching teams. And like you said, if he can avoid those turnovers, you can see that huge thing. It's almost like, I mean, I don't, I don't think they're similar quarterbacks, but kind of Johnny Manziel, when he first came out, everyone was like, he's got to avoid the turnovers. And then you saw, he did avoid the turnovers and he had that Heisman campaign, but it all starts with Lane Kiffin. I mean, he gets brought to Oxford, probably, I I would argue, the biggest hire of last cycle coming in, everyone's hype. He's on social media. He has the persona, everything like that. What has been his real impact just in terms of coaching, the interest around campus? How big of a hire was bringing Lane Kiffin in, and what are your expectations for him moving forward at Ole Miss? Well, let's kind of, I guess kind of start back in December of 2019 when they, when they announced the hire, you know, the worst kept secret of that weekend as we're watching them finish up at FAU. Everybody was just kind of waiting for that, that press release to roll out. And when it did, then two days later, you know, he comes to lands at the Ole Miss airport on the tarmac. And it's like the Beatles have hit, you know, New York and he's kissing babies and, and shaking hands. And it, a lot of excitement, more than I think there has been overall and nationally around the program since, you know, when Ole Miss would beat Bama two years in a row and Hugh Freeze kind of had him at that level of making the, you know, SI cover all the time. But, and then you have all that excitement and you kind of have to, you know, taper it because it's December. You got a whole, you know, eight, 10 months or so before you're going to play again. And then the world ended and it just kind of stopped in March and you didn't know, hey, was there going to be a season? Was there? And then there was one, but it wasn't a full stadium, you know, 20, you know, 25% or whatever it was. And so there was excitement, but it wasn't what everybody thought it was going to be of the Grove being packed and just feeding off of Lane Kiffin and that social media personality that he has. Um, but you've kind of seen it build back up again after, after what they did at the Outback Bowl against Indiana. It's kind of like it jump-started it to where it was the year before, where he had just been announced as the coach. And, and we've seen it kind of grow over the summer. They were finally able to do what they call rubber road trips where they go out to you know, see fan bases throughout the state, and there was you know this first time he's gotten to see fans outside of that tarmac 
it's the first time he's been able to, and, and it was the first time that we've seen him not on a computer screen and since February of 2020. So it's, it's just kind of like we've hit the reset button on all this covering him, covering him and, and the fan base. And I think with, you know, knowing the Grove is going to be packed and knowing what that kind of does to kind of start the day here at, you know, at Ole Miss. And then the expectations of just what this team might can do, uh, you know, having a chance to get to a better bowl game than they did and, and just see what happens and maybe have a chance to get to Atlanta. It's kind of like now this is his first season in terms of expectations and hype. And last year was just kind of like that dress rehearsal. Right. I, mean, I got two follow-ups on that. One, you mentioned there's a chance that he can be that guy to get Ole Miss to Atlanta. I know they had some chances, um, you know, back when Hugh Freeze was there. How big of, uh, I guess, a moment would it be for Ole Miss to get to Atlanta, win an SEC title? And let's 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 just be honest with each other. If you win the SEC title, you're in the college football playoff. How big would that be for Oxford for this program? Just on the out, you know, just kind of big picture, it would be massive because, you know, Hugh Freeze got, they had those chances with the wins over Alabama, gave him that chance to get in there minus some step, you know, hiccups at the end of those seasons. And then before that, it was Eli Manning. You know, that was the last chance they really had a shot. Maybe that one season with Jevin Sneed when they got up to number four in the country before that South Carolina game and it all kind of kind of went south. But it, Ole Miss has just never been – it's been like, the oh, that, you know, that's nice. You, you, you think it's October and you have a chance to go to Atlanta. That's nice. And then, of course, all comes out in the wash and your Alabamas, your LSUs, you know, the usual suspects are there and Ole Miss is – fighting for maybe a Sugar Bowl appearance or something else. But I just feel like it, this is the chance for, for Lane Kiffin also for him just to kind of show that he can be that coach that can kind of finally, you know, knock off the, hit, the, the master. That is, you know, Nick Saban. Everybody's wondering which is the – who's going to be the former assistant coach to take down Nick Saban. And there, a lot of people feel it's going to be Kiffin but somewhere. It may not be here. It could be here this year. or But he'll be the one because – He's always been one that's maybe been the most in the mind of Saban and learning, you know, sitting under that tree. But if they could get to, you know, knock off Alabama and go through the rest of the of the of the gauntlet that is the SEC West and get to Atlanta, I think that kind of solidifies Ole Miss as maybe you know not back, but as a chance to be that perennial contender if they can, you know, continue to success is key. But it also may validate Kiffin a little bit, you know, for those who still feel like, eh, he's still just that Kiffin we remember at Tennessee or that's how the cow that got left at the tarmac by the, you know, the whole team. I think it's, it, yeah. it's a chance to prove a lot for, for him and the program. Absolutely. And then the other flip side, too, I mean, this is funny. This will be posted, I think, on day two of the new NIL laws where we're seeing players roll out brands and everything. Listen, if there's ever a coach I would want in my corner about promoting myself on social media, about promoting my brand, it'd be Lane Kiffin. He has He's connected to the players in a way that some of these other coaches aren't. One, what is Ole Miss doing to kind of help these players ease into the NIL? And is Lane Kiffin taking a hands-on approach because he's such a big social media figure in terms of college football head, head coaches? Uh, uh, Ole Miss, is, you know, Mississippi was kind of that second state to, you know, to pass a law like Florida. I think Florida was first. And, uh, but, you know, come tomorrow, I guess midnight tonight, whenever, whenever they say it kicks in on July 1st, uh, you know, everybody has a chance to, to kind of stake their claim. And Ole Miss has been on the forefront of proactive with that as they, they've set up a whole system and they've sent out, kind of sent out a release a month or so ago about what they're doing. And, and F, you know, AD Keith Carter has, you know, so they're meeting with players and they've, they have kind of a, a group that's helping them make sure that they're all following the rules because there are still rules to this. It's not, you know, it's not, it's not the wild west. Like a lot of people 
are afraid it may be or become, but they've been kind of tutoring. It's almost like the kids are going to summer school for real school, and then they've been taking these NIL kind of seminars or classes so they can know come tomorrow what they can say yes to or what they can't say yes to or who's attached to whatever offer or can John Reese Plumley go go do a used car commercial in Oak Grove at Hattiesburg you know it's it's that stuff so I, I think it's a positive and like you said I don't know what all Lane Kiffin can do I mean, Twitter I think he can promote stuff I don't know how much he's involved with saying hey go do this go do that I think that's a lot of the still some of the compliance rules but no like you're right I, I wouldn't want another head coach besides him because of the presence he has Michael Leach maybe because he's just kind of that wacky guy on, on Twitter but uh, Lane Kiffin is a guy who won't promote me and saying hey uh, Matt Corral or Jerry Neely is going to do a signing uh, this weekend and just kind of retweet that and get it out there to everybody yeah, uh, I'm excited to see what the NIL looks like, what coaches can use it to their benefit. I have a feeling Wayne Kiffin's look saying, like, look at look at what I can do for you on the recruiting trail. And that's what I want to get to next. The number 17 class last year for a first year head coach with like no recruiting, anything like that. Still a top 20 class headlined by some major Juco pickups as well. And it's some top 100 prospects for you, though. What were the biggest positional needs for Ole Miss, and who are you kind of eyeing as some instant impact guys from this 2021 class? Uh, well, I was kind of hoping that uh, just kind of on a, on a downer part of the topic, Dink Jackson has entered the uh, transfer portal, which was a uh, mm-hmm. a big pickup part of that, and it, that just kind of came out over the past couple of days. And now he hasn't, you know, kind of said I'm, I'm going somewhere yet, so I don't know if it's one of those where he's just testing the waters and he may come back. You know, by August, if he feels like he has a shot here, but it's defense, especially losing um, Jacquez Jones uh, when he went to Kentucky this past month. I mean, that's that's a mass, just a massive gap in leadership on defense when everybody was hoping that defense had kind of taken that next step, and now you're leaning, you know, leaning on some of the young young guys to to come up there, and you know, it feels like maybe that may set the defense back, but you never know that some of these young guys, especially those that you're talking about, they have a chance now to come in in July and and kind of make a name for themselves and see if that D-line and that linebacker core can can get better because, you know, leaving it up to the secondary, is that was the issue, was giving up those big plays. Right. Yeah, I mean, it all starts with recruiting, but, you know, Ole Miss has some players that are on this roster that really haven't had a chance to shine that should see the field. Throughout spring practice, as we go into summer workouts, who are some guys that were already on this roster that you were eyeing to be potential breakout players in this upcoming season? I, know I was really looking at offense for sure. Looking at some of these receivers, to because uh, they they're missing a big big name on that on that receiving core. And Elijah Moore, who's who, who's heading to New York and uh, with the Jets, and uh, that that's the big question: Is Jonathan Mingo going to step up? Is uh, they're getting Braylon Sanders back because of kind of the COVID thing and, and getting him back? And and who else is going to step up? Because the running backs are set. I think uh, you got Jerry Neely coming back, and you got Snoop. So, it's, but it's who's going to become that that next Elijah, and I, it may be one of those where it's by committee because that's a big gap. And I think uh, you also you're looking at tight end with the loss of Kenny Yaboya, who's also at the Jets as well. Uh, so you know we talk about the high powered offense, but I think the breakout players you know may come from you know that tight end room, that wide receiver room, just because nobody knows who it, who's going to step up and fill those major production holes from last year. Right. And I mean, it's going to be interesting because I feel like with the first, like, well, not really 
a first-year head coach, but he, he's kind of in his first year, and he didn't get that summer to really evaluate the talent that fall, that spring. So I'm really interested to see what Ole Miss looks like going into 2021, but that brings us to the season. I know we're recording in June, man, real, real early, but I'm looking at the schedule. It's always difficult. When you have LSU, Alabama on the schedule, it's brutal. SEC West is just a horrible place to live, but – for you right now on June 30th, what is the ceiling and or floor for those 2021 Ole Miss Rebels? You know, every, you know it doesn't matter who, how stacked the roster may be or who's coaching them. It just seems Ole Miss always floats around. It, you know, the Vegas odds and scorebooks, that's 7-5, and 8-4. and four. That just seems to be where they live, no matter if they have the potential to go 9-3 and three or 10-2 and two, or they, when they've done that, it's kind of – "Quote unquote surprise people because they picked them seven wins or eight wins, but I think they have a shot, especially when now, now when you get to kind of build up the win total with these uh, non-conference games. Take out Louisville because that's a tough one to kick off the season, but the ones they have after that, Austin P and the Tulane games, and uh, you know, yeah, I think nine and three, ten and two is honestly gettable if you know everything kind of clicks. I know that's the cliche for every team, but I think nine and three. Uh, 10 and 2 is possible. And, you know, if Ole Miss has a chance to have a shot to, you know, not have to be beat up at the end of the year because after, I think, the Auburn game, they're home the rest of, or at least in Mississippi, the rest of the season because they have, I think, three straight home games. And then the Egg Bowl is just two hours south and it's startable for against Mississippi State. So they have a chance not to have to hit the road on a Friday, have to get on a plane or a bus. And, you know, so they can rattle off some big wins, get those upsets against the Auburns and the LSUs and the Alabamas. They have a chance to be sitting really good come November. Right. And, I mean, that kind of brings me, you mentioned there, a home game. I've been to Oxford. I've seen the Grove. I came in 2016 when Auburn came to town. It was one. It was an exciting game, electric night game. They wore those. The, I think Ole Miss has the most underrated unis in all of college football. The baby blue helmets, the red. It looks clean. I really love them. But for those who haven't been yet, man, what makes Oxford Vault Hemingway Stadium such a unique environment on game days? And we can include the Grove in there because if you go to Ole Miss, guys, you got to you got to check out the Grove. But no, it's uh, you know I think and the Grove will be even more special than it and it already was, which is probably tough to top because it's just one of those bucket list national college football things that people want to go to or or, or told to go to. But taking that Grove away last year, you know, for obvious reasons with COVID, not being able to be around mass gatherings, and then. I think I put a story out that, you know, it was kind of a foregone conclusion because everything else was opening up and the stadium was going to be 100%. But when we put out that the Grove was going back to, as they phrased it, pre-pandemic levels, it was just like, you know, they were ready to party. I think people were ready to set up their tents that, that day. Uh, but, no, that that sets the tone, especially if it's, a you know, which I think we're getting more of just because they want Kiffin in prime time and TV stations want Kiffin on their, on their stations. You're going to have a chance to get there early on Saturday and set up at tailgate and have breakfast, lunch, you know, it, it's just, it's a palpable thing of a, when you see that grove and how full it is and it just kind of builds and kind of crescendos right when uh, the walk of champions starts two hours before, but with the full vault Hemingway, especially since they bowled in that stadium a couple of years ago, a few years ago now, uh, if you, if you're, if you're, the fans are clicking on all cylinders come kick off. It's, I know it's not a Neyland stadium or you know, even over at Alabama, but it's, it's a special place. And, the team can just feed off of that. You know, it's, this feels like this has always been a program that feeds off what's happening behind them in the stands. If that crowd is in them and, it, and with them, no matter the score, they seem to just suddenly kind of start rolling. It's, it's a tough 
place to be. I, I mean, it's, I consider it one of the top three college football day game day settings that there is. Hey, listen, I don't want to dox any stadium. But I, we have a lot of fans from other schools on here. I've been to a hundred. I was no a ninety plus K SEC stadium that did not even rival how loud Ole Miss was that one night that I went down there in twenty sixteen. I don't want to make anyone mad, but Ole Miss is a top three stadium I've been to, and I've been to LSU, I've been to Bama, Georgia, Clemson. Let y'all figure it out. Ole Miss is up there, man. That place was deafening. I, I think y'all scored first. And it just like erupted, and I was like, "Man, this is crazy! Like, this isn't a that big of a stadium. I wasn't expecting it, and it's beautiful. Uh, it's it's the nicest campus I've ever been to, man. So, guys, if you haven't been, get down to Ole Miss, go to a game. Show won't regret it. But, man, I appreciate you coming on the show, talking some Ole Miss football. I'm excited for the season. Excited to see what Ole Miss does. But where can our listeners find you, man? Well, social media, Oxford Eagle, everything like that. Uh, you can, our website's OxfordEagle.com. You can find me on Twitter at Jake Thompson OE. I try to be Twitter smart, snarky. I don't usually leave that to the professionals, but no, that's come uh, come June or uh, come next month once we hit up media days. It'll be a lot of football on both of those platforms. Absolutely. So, guys, go follow Jake. Go check out the Oxford Eagle and stay tuned to Ole Miss football. Man, it's going to be one of the most exciting programs in the country in these next few years. But, guys. This actually wraps up our SEC in 30 days, man. This wraps up all the conferences we've done back since February. So make sure to go find your favorite team. Check out that episode and check out even some of your rival teams. I promise y'all won't want to miss them. But, guys, we will be back later this week with some more episodes. But for Jake, myself, and the Blue Bloods, guys, we are out.